This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. Well, hey guys, welcome to week three. Thanks for being Woo! here. You made it. Yeah, weather's nice today, so go Chiefs, 49ers, I don't know. Let's do this, let's do a poll. Who's for the Chiefs? Okay, who's for the 49ers? Okay, who's for the guacamole? <laughs> All right. I Great. didn't even realize it was Super Bowl Sunday. We invited some people over tonight to play games, and then I was like, oh, like it's Super Bowl Sunday. People know yeah, that. but they accepted our invitation forgetting themselves that it was Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. So they don't care either. They don't so. care, we don't care. I think you're having a Super Bowl party. Right, right, right. Yeah, we right. Declared, I did like, clarify, I was like, when I said games, I meant board games. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we might put it on, but yeah. Well, welcome, glad you're here. Uh, talking about money today, this is gonna be fun. Um, hopefully you did the, uh, the budget and the homework that's in the back. Um, this is going to be really fun. We're going to put everybody's up one by one and we're going to analyze it on PowerPoint. I'm no, kidding. No, I'm kidding. No. We're not going to do that. But this is going to be really fun. So uh, one of the things that, you know, traditions, I guess, that has been started is uh, each one listing uh, three things that are important to marriages. So we thought that we would, we would do that too. Yeah. So I guess I'll go first. So I was actually, you know, I was writing down my three things and I actually enlisted my kids' help for this. Like, what are, the, what are three important things when it comes to marriage? And uh, my seven-year-old said, kissing. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. So I wrote that down as my first one. I'm like, I'm leaving it. So that's my first. Um, second one, uh, I would say clarified communication. Um, let me give you, a, you know, three quick examples of what I mean. Um, so... With my wife especially, like she needs to be reassured that we're on the same team. So what's a way that I can do that? Well, how about just coming out and saying, hey, I'm on your team. You know, telling you that I love you, telling you that I'm on your team, telling you things. Um, I think that helps clarify things and helps reassure you, so that's the least I can do. Right. I'm happy to do it. Uh, second way to do that, like, um, apparently, and this is one that I'm working on, apparently, um, my thinking face and my angry face look very similar. <laughs> She's like, are you, are, you, are you upset with me? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how happy I am. So, you know, maybe just, you know, I, I'm trying to find ways to clarify and communicate um, that I'm not upset with her. Um, so just trying to find ways to do that um, without it being awkward. Um, and the third one, uh, you know, somebody uh, this past two weeks have been talking about like, um, like regular, consistent checks, checking in with each other and communication. Uh, what we do is we go on walks. Uh, every day we try to, um, especially when it's not 30 below. Um, but, you know, because we find that, you know, checking in daily, whether it's like, Hey, what's the schedule like? How you doing? No, I'm not upset with you. You know, things like that. Uh, so consistently doing that, but not in like a meeting format, not like a face-to-face, -face, but if we can go and walk together side by side, it really lends itself well to, to conversation. Um, things kind of get drawn out that wouldn't normally get drawn out if we were just at the table. Um, even like last night, we were talking about budget things again. And uh, we were almost home 
before the conversation really got going. So it's like, can we can we go around the block again? Yeah. So it was harder to do when our kids were little, mm -hmm. but um, you know, I think we started just going around the block, checking on them, going around the block again, checking on them. Yeah, where you could always see the house, so you knew if it was burning down or not. You know, <laughs> and then, mm -hmm. then we got a little braver. Yeah, as they got older. Yeah, so that was good. So that's my third one, walks. Go for walks. We actually started this by, uh, we were training for a 5K. We ran a 5K together. That was great. Except it was our second, after our second 5K, we realized we don't like running. <laughs> like what we enjoy is that cool down period after running where we just, you know, we're walking and we're cooling down and we're able to talk with each other. It's like, well, let's, let's just skip ahead to that. So just walking. Skip the running. <laughs> <laughs> So my three things, um, my first one would just be to embrace your spouse's quirks. So what I found with Adam is really the things I think that initially even attracted me to him were just kind of like his fun loving nature and that sort of thing. But there was a time after we had been married for a while where it kind of like, it was so different from me that it sort of got on my nerves after a while like even though like initially I really loved how like he couldn't just like walk across the parking lot he had to like jump over a car or something you know like that was exciting like wow he has just so much enthusiasm but then I was like can't we just you know like get where we're going like let's just show up for church on time you know let's um, you know it was always it seemed like it always came up with um, diaper changes so like we had all these babies, and he would always put the like the diaper on their head, like a bonnet, like before he would change their <laughs> they diaper. They looked like George Washington with the diaper on their head. And then he'd like grab their legs and be like, "Ride your bike, ride your bike." And I was like, "Like we need to go, <laughs> like let's just skip this and get where we need to go." But um, you know, it was sadly it, like it took this like tragedy in our life where um, one of our kids, our, our fourth son, so we have four kids now but we've had five so our fourth son miles was born with severe brain injury and so during our time at the children's hospital with him you know here he was just like this newborn baby and um the doctors were arguing with us like like his life isn't going to be worth living or supporting because um, he'll never have a normal life he'll never be able to ride his bike those sorts of things and so even like in the hospital you would change his diaper put the diaper on his head grab his legs and ride your bike ride your bike and it was like like he loves our son like that's you pouring out your love for your kids and to be able to see it in that way and be like, okay, I need to slow down and enjoy life and like appreciate that you're loving people by doing this and you're being yourself and I don't need to squelch that. I need to like embrace those, those fun things about you. Um, so yeah, whatever it is about your husband, like his quirky, or your wife either too, you know, like the quirky things, just kind of enjoy that and embrace that. Um, my second thing would be that he can't read your mind. So True. <laughs> I don't know like why it took me that long to realize. Um, but and maybe part of it is just our culture, like our chick flick culture that we have where like in all the movies it seems like 
like the girl can just get away with saying one thing and then the guy just instinctively knows like, oh, well, obviously that means that I should pull out of the stops and do all, all these things for her and it just happened to be exactly what she was thinking. But that doesn't happen in real life. And so if I say like, get away from me, what you hear is, get away from me. It's what I hear. But what I'm actually <laughs> thinking is like, I'm really upset and what I want more than anything is for you to pursue me and give me a hug. Um, but that's not what I've communicated to you. Or maybe like, hey, what do you want for Valentine's Day? And I would say something like, oh, nothing, you know. <laughs> Which I hear, she doesn't want anything for Valentine's Day. I just want to be with you. Yeah. And what I actually want is, oh, I want you to, you know, sign us up for the Candeo date night and <laughs> buy me flowers and, you know, give me a box of chocolates shaped like a heart or whatever. Yeah. But if I can communicate that clearly with you and even like go as far as like, here's the Amazon link for what I actually do want for Valentine's Day, mm -hmm. that just um, is helpful to us. Um, so um, yeah, I think you can't read my mind, but you do want to make me happy. I do, I do so. want to make you happy. So when you communicate what you're actually thinking, that really helps me does help. meet your expectations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third thing that I would say that's really just kind of, I think, helped our marriage um, is like step up your game when it comes to getting ready for bed at night. So um, like I think a lot of times as women, we'll spend a lot of time getting ready when we're going out like in the day, like we get ready in the morning, we are going to see other people, but like how much time are we spending getting ready for bed? Uh, when that's our time when we're gonna slip into bed and be intimate just with each other. So take that extra time, you know, whatever makes you feel good, like wash your face, put on some lotion, maybe it's like put on perfume at night before you go to bed. Um, maybe, you know, like for me, I kind of enjoy buying sundresses actually to wear for pajamas. That's just an idea, like things that I wouldn't normally wear in public, but I'm like, oh, that's a really cute sundress, but I wouldn't wear that out, but maybe I'll just wear it to bed. Um, so anyway, that's just a, a fun idea too. So yeah, mm -hmm. play that up a bit. Yeah. All right, awkward transition to money. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so y'all got your binders open. So, uh, God's money, a biblical perspective. Um, so as we approach the scriptures on God and money, the big idea is one of stewardship. And I think that's your first blank there. Well, actually, in my notes, I don't have that blank, so it just says uh, yeah. the big idea is one of, and then there's nothing, but there's supposed to be a blank there, and it would be stewardship. So yep. the big idea is one of stewardship. Yeah. So we've got two definitions we're going to give you right now. First one is a steward. So a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as the agent of another or others. That's steward. And then the second definition is stewardship. Stewardship is the use of God-given resources for the accomplishment of God-given goals. So a steward must realize that he owns nothing. He manages the resources of another for the accomplishment of their goals and in anticipation of an evaluation. 
So the blank there is nothing. Uh, so we got some uh, scripture verses we're going to go through. You, get, uh, you, get, you got these yeah. marked? Okay. Yeah, for sure. So The first one is Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Mm -hmm. So all money is God's. All everything is God's. Everything is yep. God's. Even our money. <coughs> All right, next one is Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Mm -hmm. So we're to give from the first and not from the last. Next one is 2 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 7. Now, it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of, to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is neat. I want to get back to the Macedonians here, but uh, to fill in the blanks, uh, God is more concerned with how we give than what we give. Um, going back just a chapter, why don't you read uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. It talks more about the Macedonians. Yeah. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for, their, for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Yeah, so what's amazing about this is that the Macedonians had this reputation of being such givers, but it says here that they gave from their extreme poverty. Right. So I don't know, I can think of a few people who have like even like given and blessed us and like when we weren't expecting it and it was from a place of their own like means were so small. Right. It's like, should you really be helping us out here? Right. But, but, you know, like the Macedonians, like, 
you can't stop these people. They're so joyful and generous, and it's just a beautiful thing. So I think there really is something to, um, you know, God being concerned with how we give than, than what we give. And uh, I remember, what, you know, this is years ago, we were in a, a, a tight spot and had some needs, um, and people were uh, helping us out. And I tell you, learning to accept help was a hard thing. It was a really hard thing. I see some people nodding. Um, and I remember our, our, our pastor at the time was telling us, uh, he told me, he pulled me aside and said, listen, you're going to accept this help because we are not going to rob them of their joy of giving. Like There is a joy that comes with that. And uh, it was a beautiful thing. So that really turned the page for me in accepting help. Mm -hmm. And then also set a really good example to us, too, of what it looks like to be a joyful giver. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11, and then 17 through 19 as well. Huh. I must have marked these in the wrong order. Oh, oh here we go. Found it. All right. All right. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Is that both of them? Yep. Okay. So loving money is committing spiritual suicide. I found this to be really just kind of the, the story of my time in college. I remember I was seeking after like my education and then my future career and just fame and fortune and making a name for myself and just all of these desires when it talks about it being a snare that just plunges people into harmful and senseless like ruin and destruction like that was me like I was seeking after all those things and it was just by God's grace that I think he pulled me out of that and just set me straight like he's like you know like you were my child and you cannot be living your life seeking after all those things they are just going to destroy you um, so I'm so grateful for that but I think that's maybe almost the opposite in some ways of your story in college because you were sort of like presented this opportunity to pursue this um, pro wrestling career 
and they offered you all of that, just like fame and fortune and a gimmick and a costume and all those things, and you were like, no, I know where that is leading, and that would not be a healthy environment for me to pursue life yeah. in, in a Christian walk, so, mm -hmm. yeah. True story, True for another story. time. <laughs> 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 Another awkward move on moment. <laughs> so the, uh, the flow of money, um, here let's read the scripture first, All Matthew right. 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. So the flow of money in a family represents their value system. I mentioned our friends who uh, were giving to us when we were in a time of need, and uh, I think, you know, aside from the joy they had then and there to give, um, I think they understood this passage, that they were actually um, building up for themselves treasures in heaven. I really do think that's a thing. So I think they understood it. And again, you, you couldn't stop them from giving. And uh, same with the Macedonians. You can't stop a cheerful giver with, uh, with the intention of treasures in heaven. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, last one here is Mark 10, 17 through 22. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So how you view and use your money is a spiritual barometer. I think it's really interesting because I don't think that Jesus expects everybody to give away everything and own nothing, but I think what he was getting at here with this rich young ruler was, uh, you know, he said, I've kept all your commandments. Well, have you really? Because the first, you know, it's like, have no idols, you know, don't worship any other gods besides me, uh, things like this. And in t asking him to give away everything he had, sell, sell everything, give it, to, give it away, it became clear that he was worshiping money. Like that became an idol to him. So, so what you do with your money really is a spiritual barometer. Um, so, discussing and agreeing on finances, budget, major purchases, etc., results in a profound unity in marriage. 
So again, the, the blanks are uh, a green and unity. Yeah, so hopefully you guys were able to look at this budget sheet in the back um, of your notes, that monthly cash flow plan, and, um, and go over that this last week. And even if that's not the plan that you um, always use, at least to be able to, to discuss and agree on it um, in unity is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how you do your you know, finances in your marriage. Typically, I'm the one who is responsible for making sure the bills are paid and, and things are kind of budgeted out. Um, and so for a long time in our marriage, it was really easy to do that because there just wasn't any um, really unspoken for money like it was like we pay our mortgage and we have a little bit of money to buy food and then that's the end you know like all the the bills are out and then there really wasn't much to go around so it was just easy to decide where it went like oh let's eat it <laughs> um, but then once we got to a place where there was things like pocket money right and that's listed on here then it's really important to, to discuss and agree and have that unity. Um, what do we do with that? So that it's not a burden that one of you on either end is bearing and just kind of like, oh, should I be buying these boots or not? You know, like, how does that, you know, how does that go? And, and are we in agreement on how we're allocating those those extra dollars especially yeah so with us if you don't mind me sharing like for us like she was in charge of the budget really and I was so oblivious and ignorant to you know a lot of the details uh, so we would talk about it very very vague surface level things like um, hey do you think we should do this like well you know how much money we have well, you know you you know I trust you but those kinds of decisions were really weighing on you and right. eating at you. Yeah, because it was so vague. He was like, well, you know how much money we have. Why don't you decide? We're just kind of like, well, like, but I can't tell the future, you know, like, yeah. what if the car breaks down tomorrow? You know, like, what if the car breaks down and the fridge goes out and the furnace, you know, like all at mm -hmm. one time, you know? And so you <clears> have <throat> your emergency budget, but it's like, well, I guess we shouldn't have taken that vacation, you know, like, weren't you looking ahead? Not that you ever said that, but that's like the burden that it put mm -hmm. on me, like, oh, then that would be my fault. But it isn't my fault. It's like, let's agree and discuss these in pretty concrete terms yep. and like actually looking at numbers so that when these expenses, these repairs come up or these vacations will. or these opportunities come up, we're in agreement specifically, and it's mm -hmm. not um, an even like an emotional burden on one person to bear. Right, right. So who makes the decisions? Both people. And uh, side note here, uh, joint bank accounts, um, according to this, is a must. In fact, couples who have joint bank accounts are statistically wealthier and achieve their financial goals faster than couples with separate bank accounts because they're on the same page. I actually heard this from a couple just last week. 
Mm -hmm. uh, they had separate accounts and they, they decided to go all in together and like they're able to tackle debt like crazy. It's like, oh, they're on the same page. It's that unity thing that, that's happening there. Well, she said they were even making less money now than they were when they had separate bank accounts. Yeah. But since they've like decided to put their money together and just really keep a closer eye on it together, that they've been able to just annihilate their debt, which is yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. so. All right, Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So you can control your money or let your money control you. You know, personal finance, they say, is 20% uh, head knowledge, 80% behavior. I think that's almost mm -hmm. anything, though. Well, they There's say an 80 20 rule 80, with everything. 20 rule right. for everything. Yeah. But yeah, like. I think it's right, though. It's what you know, but then it's really what are you putting into practice is mm -hmm. most of your result. Yeah. And in a church like Candea, we're an application based church. It's one thing to know what the Bible teaches. It's the important thing is in the application. Same thing with budget. If you if you know what to do, like I've been through Dave Ramsey, but you're not actually doing this stuff, it's not going to work out for you. So, how to budget. Number 1, begin with tracking your income and expenses over several months. Can't do it just with one month because there's fluctuations, things break. There's Christmas. There's Christmas. There's, you know, you're probably inevitably spending more or less on gas in a given month. Right, Or yep. um, just random, you know, oh, it's time to pay the choir tuition or, or whatever it is, so, mm -hmm. yeah. We're like, you don't, and I think this is even in the budget, but like, you don't get tires every month, right? So you, you, you work your budget over the course of like several months and, and like tires, for example, is factored into the budget just as a, like a monthly average as you're saving up for those sorts of things. So work looking at it several months and um, I think adjusting your budget as you find necessary is, is a good thing. Give your permission, yourself permission to do that. Number two, allocate amounts for your various budget categories. Anything to add to that? Um, like he gives you the suggested budget percentages there in the chart, and I think that's helpful. But I don't know; it's just going to vary based on your family size. You know, mm -hmm. our our food percentage is going to be different with six people in our family versus somebody with two people in their family, and yep. that's okay. And and it's going to change in life. So there's going to be times when a certain budget is gonna be higher or lower. Um, so just having that flexibility to say, we really wanna do this, maybe it's even like something crazy and like we wanna go for our 20 year anniversary on a trip to Israel or whatever. And so in order to make that budget bigger, we're gonna kinda cut back on our clothing, on our food, on our entertainment. Like those budgets are gonna be smaller even just for a shorter period of time, just until we can reach this goal so that that budget's bigger for a little bit while this one's smaller. But whatever it is, I mean, you guys are you guys are smart, you know how that goes. But. Yeah, yeah. So when you're looking on that sheet in the back, uh, you know, it has 
recommended percentages. They're just recommendations. I mean, don't panic if it's like, it says I should spend spending 12% here and it's 12, 17. It's fine. Right. It's fine. I need to use more water. I haven't hit my 5%. <laughs> but, a, but the budget should be one that works for you, okay? You make it work. It should balance out at the end, but it's got to be a budget that works for you. Otherwise, it's somebody else's budget. I like how you brought up, like, uh, you know, the 20-year anniversary trip. So. For years, I had been saving up for this trip for our 10th wedding anniversary, and I had this jar of coins and everything. I was so excited about it. Yeah. And, and 10th anniversary is like, we celebrate our 10th anniversary in a month, and then the water heater goes out, and the furnace had issues, and it was something else went wrong. Like and every major appliance all at once. I, that's remember, how it goes. Yeah. You remember that uh, Pixar movie, Up? where it's like they got that jar and then they have to smash it open. That was our life. <laughs> but it's okay. We did take the trip, our 10th anniversary trip, after we've been married for 14 years. Yep. And it was great. It was great. It was so worth it. Four years later, it was great. Happy yeah. 10th anniversary. <laughs> All right, yeah. number three, review your performance in a monthly sync meeting. All right, I'm gonna break out my secret of adulthood. Ooh. Yeah. This comes from one of my favorite authors. Her name is Gretchen Rubin. And she says, you manage what you measure. So in order to really manage something well, you need to be able to measure it. So put it in measurable terms, and then you'll be able to see your progress, either good or bad, hopefully good. And so what I love about this budget that he did in the back was it has two columns. So there's the budgeted column and then what you actually spent. So if I budgeted this much money for my repair, but then it actually was twice that much, okay, now I can manage that because I know I'm aware, like, okay, that was more than what I planned or less or whatever it is. Um, but having that monthly sync meeting to just actually check in, like, yeah, we made this budget, but did it actually fit with our life? Um, and then what needs to be adjusted accordingly. That's good. All right, so suggested budget percentages are in your, uh, your handout here. Um, we're not gonna read those out for you, but uh, those, are, those are here, they're in the back. Uh, talking about priorities, though, did you have a note on that? No. Okay. Well, I oh, just want to. These are the priorities. These are the priorities. Okay, go ahead. So we have this section on page 11 on the bottom of your notes, and the numbering here is just going to get a little wonky. So I think that we have one, two, three, four listed, but that's not true. Yeah. Actually <laughs> so bear with us. Be flexible. This is going to be fun. All right. Okay. So number one, under under that little chart, you know, suggested budget percentages. Underneath that, you have a number one. Right? Yeah. Okay. Priorities. Number one priority is give. Give. Uh, baseline for financial generosity in Scripture is a tithe, ten percent of your income. But this is neat. Every New Testament example of generosity raises the bar 
instead of lowering it from the Old Testament tithe. Right. And I love to have room in our budget. Like, I have my money that I give to Candeo, but I love to have giving that's not necessarily assigned to any particular church or organization because there's always people or needs or things that come up that you would not be able to know in advance but just to have that money kind of like the Macedonians like having that gift prepared like just know like here's you know a gas card or here's whatever to just meet that need just very practically I think is it makes giving really fun mm -hmm. um, at least for me I really enjoy giving that way oh too. you can surprise so, somebody with yeah. something it's so much fun so to actually have that in your budget like giving fun money have it in your budget and play with it it's so much fun and this happened to us yeah, yeah, um, yeah. like somebody gave to us in that way in that um, we were at a Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was driving home from work. It's a Friday night, right? And uh, smoke starts pouring out from under my hood. I'm like, not now. Oh, money's tight. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I, I'm able to push it into the mechanics, but they're closed for the weekend. And I know that we don't have any money to repair our car right now. What are we going to do? Uh, so, uh, you know, at the same time, I need my car. So... Uh, drop the keys off, just push it into the door with a note, saying, this is for the little Mazda over there. Um, all day, all day, you know, all night, you know, half the day on Saturday, I'm just stressing out, like, I don't know what we're going to do here. And then I get to this point where I'm like, God, I'm just going to give this to you. Like, I can't do anything about this. I need you to do something about this. Um, and just that peace that came over me was, was really just indescribable. Um, that's another topic for another time, I guess. But so Sunday morning, uh, we were able to make it to church. We came back, opened up the screen door, and this envelope fell out. We had told nobody about our car trouble, okay? We didn't tell anybody. We opened up the screen door, envelope falls out. It says Hannon's, that's her name. It says our name on the envelope, nothing else. Inside the envelope, $140 in cash. I'm looking down the road, I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I have no idea where this came from, but we got $140. Okay, so $140, remember that number. The next day, I'm at work, and my wife calls me, and she's hysterical, and I can't tell if she's laughing or crying or what's going on. I think it was a little bit of both. She says, the mechanic just called. He said he fixed our car. Get this. The bill came to $139.80. I told the guy he could keep the change. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, that's crazy. To this day, don't know who did that. But to have that kind of fun giving money set aside in your budget, I mean, maybe that was a percentage thing, like they just had that as their fun money. I don't know, but that kind of amount was just, it was crazy to us. It was a, a great sign that God's looking out for us. But imagine God working through your fun giving budget money. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. You never know, you know what kind of stories you could, you could give to somebody, you know, how many years later. 
God works through that. It's, it's exciting to, to be a part of. Right. All right. Second one, second priority here is save. Proverbs 21, 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So one of the, uh, the things I've heard, not only from you know, Dave Ramsey and Crown Financial, <clears throat> uh, the recommended starting point for saving, they recommend uh, putting, ahead, or putting aside $1,000 as a good starting point when it comes to saving. 1000 bucks for a rainy day or a broken thing. Seems like every plumbing project we have is 800 bucks. It does. <laughs> it does feel that way. Why? Yes. Yeah. But to have that set aside really helps in, in situations like that. Or maybe that was your vacation fund. I don't know. Um, third priority is manage. And there's a number of different points under this. So. Yeah, so this is where your notes are going to veer away. So you're not going to have number four. Right. You're actually going to have six subpoints under manage. Um, so if you're keeping track. But manage, I mean, again, going back to that secret of adulthood, like you manage what you measure. So let's make mm -hmm. it measurable. So, yes. Um, so number one under manage would be to pay off all debt except your house. I mean eventually we'll get to pay off your house too but like to start with yeah we'll get off, there pay off your and we followed this um i think it was crown financial yeah. where they have this money map mm -hmm. and so I, I just like the little kind of like Candyland, you know like here's where you go yeah. and so you start with the one thousand dollars here and then you save up you know, all these different things. But this was one of the steps on their little candy land map is that you would pay off all the debt that's beside your house. Yep. <clears throat> That'll um, be later. That'll be like the, it's past the peppermint forest. And, you know, right. It's way up by the, right. you know. So number two, like your second stop on the map. Yeah. You remember that $1,000 emergency fund you had saved up? Now you're going to add to that. You're going to work until you have saved three to six months of expenses as your emergency fund. Right. And then number three in the gumdrop palace <laughs> is invest 10 to 15 percent for retirement. And then the next one after that would be to save for your children's college fund. If you're intending to help with that. Right. Or? Or, one thing that my aunt and uncle did, which I just thought was really cool, was they set aside um, money that they were saving. They had three daughters, and they saved for each of their daughters. And it was just like this bulk amount of money. And they left it up to their girls, and they said, this is your they called it their wedding money. This is your wedding money. But recognizing that they might never want to get married or they might want to have a cheaper wedding and then spend the rest of that money on their honeymoon or have a cheap wedding and then spend it on their first home together or, or whatever it is. But so just having even 
you know, that flexibility of saving an amount of money for your children, whether it be for college or their wedding, or maybe you're saving for both, but um, just giving them that freedom as their life circumstances come up and what, what will that bring for them? I don't know, but it'll probably be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> we have two daughters and one of them, the youngest, seven years old on the way to church this morning was like, I want to go to college so I can find a husband. <laughs> like, that's a lot of expenses here. Right. <laughs> college and wedding. But, you know, that's just, those are kind of typical life things that you should plan probably, you know. Mm -hmm. Probably yep. that would happen. Maybe and that's not number that four happen. on the Candyland list. Yep. So, number five would be to pay off your home early. So there's no like actual timeline here. Like it should be 12 years after you start this money program. No, that's not that at all. But uh, this order really is uh, a practical way to get to paying off your home early. And then number six. Build wealth and continue to increase in extravagant generosity. Hmm. So build wealth and continue to increase in extravagant generosity. And so if that baseline giving is 10%, maybe you know it's a challenge to increase that over time. So I've heard of people who even like, it's their goal to increase their percentage of giving by 1% each year, which is amazing. Um, but what's great about that is it's just each year it just feels like a little bit more, right? So in, at any given moment, it doesn't feel like a massive increase. It's mm -hmm. not going to feel like a 10% increase all at once. You're just going to feel it little by little by little. And then pretty soon you're living this extravagantly generous life. So. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be fun. So do we have any questions? Does this all make sense? You know those steps, priority levels, do those, those make sense? No. So who actually, I'm just curious, who actually went through this monthly cash flow plan and filled that out? Yeah, nice. Is this, um, is this the same as what you normally use, or did you kind of just transfer over your stuff from a different plan? I think it's a little yeah. more detailed. A little more detailed? Sure. Anybody have any? Uh, oh, yeah. Do you guys ever live off one income? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. I mean, we talk about, I think it's kind of funny that we're in charge of money because like most of our life together has been so poor <laughs> because we have lived off of one yeah. income. So um, yeah, I just started working for Candeo um, six months ago. Six months ago. Yeah. But before that, it was just Adam's income and we homeschool our kids. And so it's, um, it's a choice that you make. I mean, obviously we could have chosen to have more than one income, but we just decided like, let's live off of one income because this is our priority right now is we want me to be able to stay home with the kids and, and, and homeschool them. And so at any given time, you just have to make 
priority choices and there's not a right or a wrong it's just like what's your family like when it's talking about that um, that <coughs> your money is showing your value system like what do you value um, and that's going to be different for each family and each couple and and then your budget is going to look different and it's going to be tighter or looser or a bigger house or a smaller house or, or whatever but some things just aren't going to change like your water bill doesn't matter you know budget like how many incomes you have or not but yeah so we did a lot of years of one income and I've heard of people too who have dual incomes but they'll base their budget off of one income so that they have the freedom like if they're planning to have a family but maybe they don't have kids yet but they're hoping in the future that the one of the spouses would be able to stay home with kids. Mm -hmm. They'll base their income or their budget off of one one income, just like so as they're making like, which house should we buy and and those sorts of decisions that they're mm -hmm. um, that they're looking ahead into the future for that yeah. reason. Forming habits, spending habits, that'd be really wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody gone through some sort of money curriculum like Dave Ramsey or anything or anything else you'd recommend? Wisdom to share. All right. Well, all we have left on our sheets is uh, open it up for Q&A. So any questions? <laughs> How do I feel about it? Yeah. Oh. I'm cool with that, Carla. Go nuts. Okay. <laughs> Have as many as you want. Yeah. I think that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, work is a good thing. Yes. Like, that was created before the fall of man. Like, Adam mm. was put in the garden to work. So, work is a good, good, good thing. Um, and so, if you enjoy that and you have time to do that and you're not neglecting, the things that the Lord has called you to um, in order to gain more wealth, but you're able to still fulfill your your Christian walk and um, any disciplines that he's calling you to, and then work and have fun money to spend or more money to give. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most generous people that we know is he is um, an ER doctor but not just a doctor, he's like the head of the ER like department at, I think it was three different hospitals yeah. for a while. Mm -hmm. And then he also farmed on the side. And I mean, the man was always, always, always working, but did it with such a joyful heart yeah. and was always giving back to people too. Yeah. Um, and just like would come and just randomly like come to our house and be like, oh, you, you know what's going on and I remember him coming and looking at one of our kids like <laughs> something was somebody was sick and he just came over on a whim and you know checked them out so yeah anyway yeah I think that's great if that's what you want to do super so. maybe expound a little on those surprise expenses you know like you know, we had water heater we had yeah I had to get a tree cut down for ash yeah, yeah. just Oh yeah. What do you guys 
estimate how much? I mean, I guess you're talking. Right. Mm. Um, it has never not caught us off guard. Yeah, it's always. And it's always like at least three things at the same time, right? Yeah. Right? Yep. So <laughs> here's what I think you're guaranteed. Things will go wrong, mm -hmm. things will break, which sounds a little sad, but like, I mean, like the Bible even says the whole creation groans and travails in pain. Like mm -hmm. everything on this earth is dying and breaking and passing away. Like that's just the state of everything. So it's, you know, a reminder to hold things loosely, but know that when you buy that new car, it's still going to break down. Um, and it's still going to need new tires eventually. And, you know, the radiator or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I would love to say that our repair budget would, like, be growing and growing and growing, but it's not. It is always being spent and spent and spent. So, yeah, I mean, we have, yeah, we just have a large amount of, I don't know what it is with our house right now. Like, every piece of plumbing in that house that you can repair has been repaired. So, I don't know. Maybe we got a lemon of the house, but whatever. <laughs> It's not the first lemon. It's not the first lemon. No. Our, uh, our house we lived in before this one was built in like 1890, I think, 1880, some, somewhere around there. Oh, no. Having a... Mm. <laughs> I had a conversation with my kids recently about like being gentle with things because every, you know, and, and like you got to learn how to close the door without slamming it, and you know, and it's like every each door has, you know, a quirk, right? Every house has its quirks, and the homeowners learn what those quirks are, so you can be gentle with things that need some extra tenderness, right? Our house that was built in the 1800s had so many quirks. I mean, it was great when you're playing Hot Wheels on the floor because you just set it down on the floor and the Hot Wheels just go because the floors aren't level. But yeah, that, that house had a lot of quirks. But it was really fun. Like I loved, yeah. I loved the old house. And I'll just, this isn't really about money, but just one favorite thing about that house is mm -hmm. we were having insulation blown into the walls because <laughs> yes. it was so old and um, all the insulation had, you know, settled down. And so- um, we were, It was so cold in the winter. It was so cold. <laughs> and so the guy is like, we had a bathroom upstairs and he's up on this extension ladder outside and he cuts a hole. And we thought there was just this little attic in the bathroom. And so he was gonna blow it full of insulation. And he calls me out. He's like, you need to come outside and look in here. And I'm like, no, I'm seven months pregnant. Like, I'm not climbing this extension ladder. He's like, no, you need to climb this ladder and look at this hole. So I climb out there and look at this tiny hole. There's a whole room, like, on the side of our bathroom that we didn't even know was there. It was amazing. So, like... I've been having all these dreams about Narnia. like Here's like finding an extra room on my house because you always need more storage or whatever. And it was like, oh, a whole room. It was like finished and everything. Like I had no. like really nice wide trim and everything. It just so it just like it was just closed off. So we just cut a hole in the wall and put on some. We took the old windows and put them on as doors, and, and we just called it the secret room. There it was. Yep. But, yeah. That was really fun. A lot of quirks. Yep. But 
I'm sort of the personality where like I will I like to like follow the rules and you know do the right thing for a while and then when like it gets pushed too hard I'm like forget it absolutely forget it so like there was not too long ago just like a few months ago everything in our kitchen just started breaking right like the <laughs> oven yes. The door. The oven blew up. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, it like blew up, and then like the the deck door wasn't opening, and some the one of the kids was dusting the chandelier, and it just like like ripped out of the ceiling. So then there's like the hole in the ceiling with all the electrical wiring, and just all the things at once. And I was just like, no, no, I'm just not doing anything about any of this. Like I'm just done. <laughs> so we're just like gave up for a month, I just like yeah. lived without an oven and like don't open that door and like no light at all, just because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, and we host Connection Group at our house and there's this <laughs> hole in our ceiling and it's dark in there. I was just like, it's Advent, we'll just put on some candles, I don't know. But then like, so eventually I get over it and I'm like, okay, let's start fixing things. So we did, we fixed the oven and, and not really the deck door, but sort of, you know. To the best of our abilities. <laughs> and then we put in some new lights, and but you, anyway. you were able to take the time to find the lights you wanted at a good price. Right, so, so it, you know, repairs are, they're always a thing. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that they have to be done right away necessarily. I mean, right. you can make do. So to answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure we're the best people to ask. <laughs> Does any, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, so Brittany and I are gonna be tackling some debt soon, like student debts and car loans. Awesome. And she uh, is pretty well educated in, in this and um, wants to use like the snowball method. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to learn if there are any other methods because my previous method is very basic where I'll have X amount of money, all my money goes to my savings account. So everything goes in savings. But everything goes in savings, and if my savings account gets below whatever number I have in my head, right, um, I'm saving money, and I'm going to get it above that number, and anything above that number, I can go ahead and put in my student loans or something. So it's like a really basic method of doing that. But I'm trying to see, do you guys know of any other good recommendations or things that you would recommend just for tackling debt rapidly? Sure. Lottery? <laughs> Lottery. Lottery, yeah. <laughs> Right. So snowball effect, what she's talking about, in case you don't know, like you have <clears throat> all these different things that you have debt with and um, you would, so you've got monthly payments for all these different categories of your debt <clears throat> and you would tackle one of them, probably ideally the one with the smallest amount in it and once that one is paid off, what you were paying for that, you add to the payment of the next smallest item and then uh, once that one is gone, because now you've you know, maybe doubled the amount that you're paying towards that one, you take all that and you roll that into the payment, monthly payment for the next smallest one. But you're right, interest rates are, I, I think, a good factor in what you should snowball into if you are using the snowball method. Because if, like student loans, relatively low interest rate, um, 
Yeah, but there's something also to be said for tackling the smallest amount just to be able to feel that victory, right? right? Like I did another, like I paid off another whole like loan or another whole whatever mm -hmm. it is. So that's kind of what motivates you most. Like, and I don't know. So would it be more motivating to, to pay off something in entirety or do you need to go after the next interest rate, like the next highest interest rate, even though it's a larger amount? I don't know. And then are there ways to refinance that or transfer it to a lower mm -hmm. interest rate? Those are all things to consider too, but. Right. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna add too, the amount of your savings would kind of maybe be referring to maybe like your mental emergency fund. Right. Mm, yeah. So which is really smart. Oh, thank you. Well, it's kind of, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, maybe it's just, yeah, no, it's just your, kind of your mental security, but I don't like it a little bit, which right. gives you the three to six months, so when the water heater mm. does break, you know, you've got it. Yeah, so you're still following that Candyland map. Um, um, I would even just encourage you to look up my money map on like Google images or whatever and I'm sure there's a picture of the map um, so you can kind of see but he'll have in there you know like where your savings should be matching your debt payment you know like where that tension is because you do want to have savings so that you're not going into more debt because you will come up on expenses or on you know unexpected things so yeah any other wisdom on that Well, if you have some sort of <coughs> debt, just just pinch me if I'm off here. But <laughs> if you have some sort of debt, it's like 15% interest, and it's like 2,000 bucks or something, and you get this credit card mail mailing, it's like 0% interest for three years or whatever, um, up to $2,000. Hey, that works out. So as long as you're making a point to have that paid off, if you transfer it into that 0% interest thing and make sure that it is paid off before that time runs out, that might be a good way to tackle some debt and not pay the interest too. Right, and then you have that time bomb effect. Right. Like it has to be off before. That deadlines help. They yeah. really do help. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good question. Do you guys use multiple bank accounts like for savings and stuff like that, or do you lump emergency and all the other savings into one and just kind of have a sidetrack of what you have? Or? Yeah, we have we have lots of bank accounts, um, and this is so ridiculous. I don't know. We moved from Minnesota, right? So when we were there, we had. Um, we used a certain bank, and then when we moved down here, they don't have that like branch anymore. But I still had our savings account there and our checking account there, and I just kind of left it there. And I can still use the checking account really easily, just online payments. But like the savings account is still just there, and it still had that money in it. And I like that because it's really hard to access, right? So it's still there and I could get that money, but it would take a little bit more effort than just like my normal checking account. So that's like our like emergency, emergency, <laughs> emergency um, savings yep. account. But yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to have 
multiple, at least for us. I've even heard of people having, because you can apparently have a lot of checking accounts. And so people will have like a different checking account for different, like even like, this is our food checking account and this is our, you know, other bills checking account. So I don't know, that's how we do it. But anyone else have any? Yeah, that's the most frustrating for me for saving too. Capital One a couple years ago had it where you could have one account, but you could label money in different things. Hmm. So you have $4,000 in your account, but 600 of that are labeled car repair, uh, repair and Ooh. 400 are travel or something like that. And they got rid of it. And oh. I hate having this amount of money and I have to figure out what part of that is the emergency savings and which part is the one that I could use if I needed to or something. So yeah. I'm, I'm at the exact same point right now. Like, am I making eight different savings accounts and it takes monthly out and goes into all kinds of different things? Or do I just keep track of this? Mm -hmm. right. that, that frustrates me the most right now about saving. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, so I use Mint right now. I don't know if anybody uses that. And that helps me because I'm the same way. It's hard to know, like, okay, if I'm putting, you know, an X amount into my savings every month, well, that's great. Am I designating that for something? Well, I don't really know. And so I've linked all my accounts to Mint, and then it, it tracks that balance so that I don't have to keep that mental note. So that's been something that's really helpful for me. Every dollar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's an app for every dollar. That's a good app. I'll keep my um, my grocery budget on my calendar on my phone. So then, like, I see, okay, this is how much I have left for the week or the month or whatever it is. But it's just like a. Um, a repeating, a recurring event for the month. Um, that's helpful to me, because I always am on my calendar for other things, too. Yeah. Um, Speaking so like keeping track of every dollar and things like that, for, for us, what works for us is, you know, we've got our grocery budget. We've also got things like toilet paper and paper towels and other things that you would also get at Target or Walmart or Hy-Vee or whatever, and we don't separate those. I mean, those are all in the same budget because going through line by line on the receipt at Target, not it's not what we do. Um, yeah. If that works for you, awesome, keep doing that. But um, don't feel like you have to. If you can just put it all in one, like this is a budget for the month for these things. Yeah. Yeah. Suggested a monthly one time go shopping for those kinds of things, but it got shut down. I would like that too to know like what's actually food and what is actually not. Yeah. Yeah. That was my idea. Like, go once a month and restock all of that stuff. Hmm. And then you know what the budget is for that. Yeah. But that didn't work well didn't for your work. family. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust your budget. Yep. Yeah, no, That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's important to know and agree, you know, as a mm -hmm. as a couple, and yeah. and be willing to to bend to the to the other person's 
need a little bit um, you know, what what's helpful to your husband, but also what's helpful to the wife and just the flexibility and the, the stress of having to plan, you know, once a month for how many diapers, how many wipes, how many paper towels. <laughs> One of the things, when we go grocery shopping, we like, you know, the, I know that it's different ideas when it comes to like the plastic bags that they give out at grocery stores, but man, we reuse those for garbage bags. Super helpful. Um, the only time I turn those down is when I, when I buy milk. I'll get a gallon of milk, and they'll say, do you want your milk in a bag? And I always tell them, no thank you, you can just leave it in the carton. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> It is every time. Um, Another idea, um, just on on snowballing. You know, we talked a little bit about snowballing debt, but you know, talking about diapers. Kind of what we saw when our kids were in diapers was the amount you spend on diapers is roughly the same maybe as what you would spend on sponsoring like a child through Compassion International or something. So thinking about doing something like that, like okay, once you've graduated out of diapers, this is already built into my budget. Um, maybe we just take on that new like giving opportunity at that point and now you're sponsoring this child and it's kind of a way of linking like this child with like this unique giving opportunity and something they can kind of follow and continue throughout their the rest of their life so that's like a different take on the snowballing but um, you know something that's not always an option but that's an idea mm-hmm. yeah, I like that all right. Well, guys, you're free to go unless you have any other questions. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for hanging out, everybody. Mm-hmm.